This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We are joined by Peter Sibner. Peter Sibner is the head of Elite Prospects. He's been doing that for 12 years. Peter, it's great to have you with us. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about with you from Bruins prospects to some of the local college hockey players that uh, are get kind of a little bit famous in town. Macklin Celebrini, I know Scott. Scott went to BU, by the way. Um, so he's going to want to talk about a little bit about BU, I know. Um, so, Peter, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Scott go first because I know Scott. We're just coming off of World Juniors, and obviously that's a big stage where you get to see so many different prospects for so many different organizations. And um, if you're a Bruins fan, you're tracking certain people. Even if you're just a, a hockey fan, you're you're tracking so many different guys that you think you might see in the NHL in maybe a year or two. So Scott, I know you had a question to do with that. Well, I want to start with actually the player who I can't help but notice is the number one most searched player on elite prospects right now. And that is unsurprisingly Carter Gauthier, uh, Boston college sophomore team USA star world juniors, who was just traded from the flyers to the Anaheim ducks for, Jamie drives down a second round pick and whole kind of crazy circumstances around there where apparently he wasn't going to play for the flyers and wasn't even talking to them. So things kind of came to a head, but Peter, what did you make of all that? And what do you, what do you think when you see a, a trade like this with, you know, a, a huge prospect and a huge, you know, highly rated young defenseman like Drysdale? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it... I mean, there were certainly waves, right? I mean, he's just coming off. I thought to go back to the World Juniors, that was one of the best American World Junior teams I have ever seen. From a team perspective, they essentially had three first line. And 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 Cutter Gauthier himself, I mean, he struggled to score a little bit. He didn't score, I think, until, uh, well, he scored that big goal against Finland. Um, but he was a really good player. I mean, he had, what, two goals, eight assists, coming off a, a big win, and then this happens basically the next day, or at least, you know, on Monday, the week after the Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday after the, the World Juniors. It was just, I couldn't believe it. That said, I had heard some rumors that there was one player on the U.S. team, uh, a high draft pick that were apparently not looking to play for the team that had selected him in the draft. So I was kind of curious, like, who could that be? And, you know, it all became obvious here uh, Monday night, of course. Uh, it's, we don't see this a lot guys. It's, it's a pretty rare thing, but to be honest, I think we're going to see more and more of it, especially the guys coming out of college with college now being such a breeding ground for prime NHL players that it is, 
you put up some good numbers in world juniors, you put up some good numbers in college, and all of a sudden you have something to negotiate with, right? And looking at the trade, I don't really know. Drysdale's been injured. Where does he stand right now? I know he can certainly be a number one defenseman for a team in the NHL. We've only seen glimpses of, of what he can do at the NHL level, I think. But to be honest, I think Anaheim won this uh, player for player. They certainly did because Cutter Gauthier can be, he can score 100 points in the NHL and the Anaheim Ducks will have maybe the most scary forward prospect pool in the league moving forward. That said, you know, rough hand to play for the Flyers. If the kid doesn't want to be there, they needed to make a move. Just like Jonesy said, they got to make the move, you know, while his value is at, is at an all-time high. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, it felt right. like the, the Flyers kind of optimized that uh, that situation, right? It, it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's a tough hand for them to play. And, you know, their comments were really interesting. Like, they, they applauded the other uh, GMs around the league um, because – you know, if, if that situation got out that the player didn't want to be there, then there's there's less um, leverage for the Flyers. And, and everybody on the league played it very well. And um, that probably goes a long way for um, GM relationships and whatnot. No, but it was certainly, I mean, such a splash. We had a, a funny video with him during the World Juniors where he uh, where he had to admit that he was a Pittsburgh Penguins fan growing up. And and of course, that one blew up right after the, <laughs> the trade was announced. So it was kind of funny. But, you know, uh, as college kids becomes, I mean, their value is going up. NCAA, the hockey is just getting better and better and better. It is uh, more common for players now to take a year or two in college, even as really high draft picks. Um, and, you know, it's just another window, another one or two year showcase for them to put some pressure on the team that will eventually have to sign them before the window closes. I mean, they, they can only sign them for, for, for so long. So I think we're going to see more Cutter Gauthier situations pan out in the future. We've already had one or two, but, but this was certainly the one that made the biggest waves. Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that what happened with John Farinacci in the off season? Um, yeah, so his, his rights expired with Arizona. I don't, I don't know if that was, you know, his decision, their decision, but in, in his case, he had reached like the four years post draft and, uh, went to free agency. Peter, I, I had a follow up on that because you mentioned kind of the, you know, sort of these college kids draft picks, maybe trying to bet more direct where, where they end up. Do you see that becoming kind of a trend? Because I know in this case, Philadelphia said right after the draft, you know, there's even video of it, Gautier saying he was, you know, excited to be a flyer and seemed on board with everything. But are teams going to have to be more aware of, you know, who is willing to play for them, who's actually going to be excited to be a part of their organization yeah, I mean where – yeah. The kids will always say that, right? No one since Eric Lindros has basically said, I will not play for that team. Trade me right now. <laughs> so so the kids will always say that. But behind the scenes, there's obviously a lot going on. You know, you got the uh, you got the financial discussion going on, bonuses, et cetera, uh, signing the entry level deal. But you also have the coaching situation, right? So in this case, of course, John Tortorella being who he is, I can imagine um, there's definitely some young kids out there that might 
you know, be a little scared to play for him. I don't know if that factored into the decision at all. If it was a money thing, if it was a, you know, relationship going sour thing, maybe he didn't want to play for a team that might be, a, you know, struggle to make the playoffs for the next few years. I don't know what went down in this particular scenario, but of course this could have opened the floodgates because for every drafted kid there are these discussions going on between him and his team and especially in the college situation where he's putting up great numbers getting a big showcase um highly touted and hasn't signed yet so so if anything i think cutter Gauthier may have opened the door for more players to do what he did i'm not saying that's necessarily the case but certainly now they have an even more prominent case to point to it yeah, certainly like- goes against like the culture of you know like you see the like some of the older generation of hockey players weighing in about how much they hate this. Yeah, and I think that that one of the main reasons why they hate it so much is that he ref- like according to the reporting he refused to even meet with them, which seems unprofessional. Um, so I think that the if I'm right, I think they flew some of the Flyers flew, uh, management flew to Sweden to try to talk to him during world juniors and that fell through so then this whole thing like became completely a like burnt bridge with everything yeah that's what i i know uh briere and keith jones were there um i don't know for what re i mean you usually get a lot of gm and other brass at a world junior i've been to 10 of them pretty much and, and there's always a lot of nhl brass around the hallway so i don't know if they were there for that particular reason but it certainly does make sense if you didn't even want to meet with them and they had a taker well they they they, they had to play the hand they were given yeah i mean adam fox is probably the prime example right now across the league of of this situation turning into stardom for for the team that didn't draft him uh but speaking of adam fox in in team usa uh, Peter, so Team USA wins gold for the sixth time in 20 years. Um, I'm not the biggest uh, math person, but what's that, Scott? 30%, give or take? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, right along those lines. Right along those lines. Um, so just maybe your your opinion on the, the international landscape at the world junior level. Obviously, Team USA has always been a threat, but, you know, they're just getting better and better. Um, and, and, yeah, just great success for them and and what you make of you mentioned that this was their best team you think one of their best teams they've they've showcased yeah from a team perspective i thought it was because they had a little bit of everything right um the depth was just we've seen potentially more skilled individual players over the past few years uh more highlight real goals and whatnot but from a pure go there and win the tournament perspective i think this was one of the most impressive teams um that I can remember. I remember the 93s with, uh, with Seth Jones and Johnny Goudreau, I guess. Um, they, they had a really strong team that year. Um, but, but yeah, this, is, this, was, this was a machine. Uh, they were there to win and they pulled it off. And I think they played their best game of the tournament where it mattered the most, which was the championship game. If you've ever played or been to Scandinavium, you know it's a crazy arena to play in. 12,000 people, all of them wearing yellow jerseys, loud as hell. It's hot, uh, very hostile environment, and they just go out there like professionals and just push the button and win it. So so I was really impressed. What is, I guess I should preface this for people who might not know, you're and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're originally from Sweden, live in the U.S. now, so you really are kind of the perfect person to talk to about this. But 
what has the reaction been like in Sweden? Because they're hosting, they ha- they haven't won in a while. Feels like, you know, this could have been their year or a team of destiny for them ends up not happening. And then the world junior, the gold medal game really ends kind of ugly with, you know, some, some fighting punches being thrown. U S is kind of giving it to the crowd a little bit. What's sort of been the fallout over there? Um, well, I mean, the, the fact that we don't win world juniors a lot, <laughs> that that's been a topic of conversation for a long time because we certainly had the teams to do it. We felt like, right. I mean, we've lost to the U S a couple of times. We we've lost to Canada uh, fairly recently. Uh, and of course these guys, the O fours, the O fives, they've been going up against the Americans now in the U 18s a couple of years in a row. So this was a bit of a rivalry brewing here. These guys have been playing each other a lot over the past couple of years. So I say um, in Sweden, the Swedish crowd, obviously very riled up there at the end, but from a discussion standpoint, I think the discussion now is, okay, we're still not winning world juniors. This was the best team we've had in a long time, home ice, and we still can't pull it off. Well, it's a country of 10 million people. Obviously our talent development system is, is one of the best in the world. You know, the, 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 the NHL player per capita ratio is extremely high, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take note of what the Americans are doing because it's not just Canada anymore. It's definitely, I'd say the Americans have the best talent development system in the world right now. And, and, and I think in Sweden, we're looking at USA hockey, like what are they doing uh, how are how are they succeeding? Not just breeding really good hockey players, but also making them be able to win, preparing them for the winning moment, right? And do you so obviously now compared to say five, ten years ago, there's a lot more foreign players coming to play in college, like in, in the NCAA. We see them, we see some really I mean, Will Ander was on Team Sweden, he plays in college over here. Um so do you think that maybe that if if more Swedish players or European players in general were willing to travel over to the U.S. and play college hockey, that the product might, you know, they, they might see a little bit of a boost there? Definitely. And I think, you know, um, 20 years ago, going to college was that was the outlier option, right? That was that was what 20, 21 year old players did when they didn't really have any other good option. Um, now it's a prime viable alternative for an 18 year old Swede to go and play college. Uh, the hockey in college is so much better now than it was. I mean, it was good 10, 15 years ago, but the product is growing. Um, you know, agents are now recommending their players to go to college. Certain players are certainly better fit for that than, than going to play Canadian major junior or maybe play five, six, seven minutes a night in the Swedish elite league. So, so, I mean, college has definitely, it's, it's up there at the top now as for an avenue to make it to the NHL and Swedish clubs teams know that Swedish players know that their agents know that. And I think it's just a matter of time before the product NCAA hockey, which is basically nothing in Sweden. You can't, I mean, you have to go on an online IPTV stream or something like that to even see it. I, I, I think that, could be emphasized a little bit more too. Yeah. I mean, I think we have an international feed. I'm a college hockey broadcaster. We have international feeds for most of, um, 
our our streams. I have no idea what it's like to try to connect to them because I'm not from Sweden, but I know we we stream internationally and uh, there's like a player from Russia that her yeah. parents listen in and different things like that. Yeah, I, I, I watch it all the time, but, but you know, I, I really think the European audience, um, you know, we're doing at Elite Prospects, we're doing what we can. We're, we're, we're heavily promoting the Beanpot, for instance. We always travel to the Beanpot and cover that, you know, that tournament or... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline that event, if you will, uh, extensively. Uh, we try to put out a lot of stories about uh, Europeans playing college hockey. So we're certainly doing our part, but but the product is too good to be ignored from a media perspective. Peter, these guys will have some specific questions probably regarding uh, Bruins prospects and some local talent. But before they do, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question because I've been following Elite Prospects for a while. And um, you know, if you ask any parent, in youth hockey, they'll tell you their kids Wayne Gretzky, but uh, elite prospects has a bit of a process about, you know, who an elite prospect actually is. When, when internally is it that you guys, what age will you find uh, a player to be on your radar to even have them qualify for, for elite prospects uh, website? Um, And what goes into that for you guys internally? Well, so it used to be at age 16. Um, That's when we started adding, um, players back in the day, but we were getting so many requests from players because really, you know, the elite level hockey begins at Bantam, definitely in the U S right. That's when you start, you know, that's when you go triple a, uh, that's when you start thinking about, you know, getting drafted to the USHL or, 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 or the CHL. So, uh, five years ago, we made an exception and we started adding players from the age of 14. So there is a set of leagues that we cover like organically, if you will. Um, But there's also the option if you play hockey, if you're on a team that we cover and you don't have a profile, we will add you. If you're on a team or in a league that we don't cover, you can still get your player profile on Elite Prospects, but you have to be a premium member. So there's this, we have the organic coverage of 15, I don't know, 15, 14,000 hockey leagues, maybe. <laughs> uh, so it's um, it's a mixed bag, really. Uh, like the AAA leagues in North America, a lot of the good high school leagues, we will cover those organically. So we will make sure we get the roster up there. We will get the stats up there. But we won't update your individual like height and weight on an annual basis. We'll, we will do that basically once a year. So that's where we've seen a lot of growth in, in, in paying subscribers now. It's, it's kids looking to take control of their profile, have access to their profile and, mm. you know, update height and weight and get cool looking pictures up there. So, but generally age 14 in North America is when we start adding players. And if you call us up and say you're a peewee, we will probably not add you unless you took part in one of the very few peewee tournaments that we cover. So, so we try to keep it at age 14. We probably won't go lower than that. 
And uh, you guys probably had your work cut out for you a little bit. The PWHL just started. Uh, that's a big league to be added to uh, elite prospects. I've actually been, so I'm one of the broadcasters for the Boston team and I've been on elite prospects every single day, like taking notes, like clicking every player bio profile. When did they play at college? When did they go to the Olympics? Like medals, like it's really well organized for people. If you're trying to learn about players, like you can just search click it'll give you like a list year by year of where they played um what and some of their like accolades like say they're an ncaa champion or uh silver medalist or or what have you um usually it's all listed right there so it's been a huge help for me going through um learning all these new teams in the pwhl and preparing for my broadcast so that's probably been a big thing for you guys over the past i don't know it's only been like under two weeks yeah, I mean, uh, they didn't have much of a runway to to launch the league, really. I mean, they the teams still don't really have names. Um, and, and I mean, uh, it was tough the way everything happened, right? The PHF folding and, I know. and, uh, <laughs> and you know, still moving out of, of the darkness of the pandemic, really, with everything from sponsorships to whatnot. So I'm really impressed with what they have done so far because i know launching a brand new brand like this it's not easy there's a lot of opinions there's a lot that goes into it so at this point i think the pwhl has done a great job and this is so important for women's hockey to have a professional level because as of right now when you're 22 23 coming out of college it's the national team and not really much else for North American players. You can go to Europe and play, play in the pro league, but that pro league is not really that high of a level. Uh, you don't get paid at all, basically. You get your accommodation paid for, basically. So, so I think this is a massive step. The PWHL so far, they've done it really, really well. Just look at the, the crowds we've had in you know Montreal, Minnesota. I mean, it, it is great. Uh, I just hope they can keep the mojo going here uh, throughout this entire inaugural season, because if they can do that, the sponsors will come. We have covered women's hockey at Elite Prospects since 2014. So we started adding women's statistics before anyone else uh, ever thought to do it. So, so we've done our part and uh, we will uh, continue to improve. Uh, with women's hockey, it's a little more difficult because the stats aren't as readily available online as they are for men's hockey. So it's a little bit more of a challenge, but we have a, a, a staff of, of volunteers and paid staffers that are really, really keen on women's hockey. I work with Bo Marchwick, one of our longtime staffers. He is an absolute super fan of women's hockey, and he has done a tremendous job making sure we're up to speed with the PWHL. So, so we're all really excited, and we hope it really works out this time. It seems, I mean, from my perspective, it seems like it's, it, it has a lot of momentum as it is. And um, anyway, yeah, it's been helpful uh, going on and, and cause you know, it just launched and there's a lot of like cramming that I've had to do. Um, so there's one player I want to bring up. We'll switch kind of a little switch gears back a little bit to college. Uh, and this is somebody Scott uh, cares a lot about Macklin Celebrini. Uh, <laughs> so obviously team Canada uh, BU and projected to go number one uh, overall in the, in the upcoming NHL draft. I just want your uh, 
your just your opinion on what you saw from him in the tournament, or I don't know how much of a chance you've had to watch him play at BU. Uh, just your thoughts on him, and is he a number one overall draft pick in your mind? Um, I mean, nothing really changed that, if you ask me. I think, you know, a Canadian team that it certainly wasn't the best Canadian team we've seen um, from a roster perspective, uh, and, and it also ended uh, in a big disappointment for them. And, you know, of course, him coming in 17 years old, not even, you know, not even Connor McDavid was a big player in his first World Juniors. Um, I was there in Malmo when he made his World Junior debut and he wasn't, he didn't stand out in any material way. Uh, I will say that Macklin Celebrini uh, did that for Canada. I mean, he was probably the best player on the team and they ended up relying on him for, for scoring goals and driving offense. And I think he started on the third or fourth line. So, so, I mean, uh, expectations were high, but um, I think he did all and more than you can expect from, from a 17 year old kid. Peter, I wanted to circle a bit. We had talked about, uh, you know, Swedish players maybe coming over to college and, wanted to tie this to the Bruins a little bit because they've made a habit in recent years of drafting out of Sweden and specifically like in middle late rounds, they've targeted guys who were maybe still a year away from coming over to college. And, you know, there was 2021, three of their first four picks were all Swedish. There's Fabian Lysel, yeah. obviously went the major junior route, Phillips Vedbach, who's at Providence, Oscar Yelvik at BC. The next year, you know, Donzosh Mellis is Latvian, but was playing in Sweden. He's at UMass now. Their last two picks this past year were out of Sweden. When did the, especially starting with that 2021 draft, does that kind of send up some, you know, an antenna for you where when you see a team kind of suddenly drafting all out of one spot, or is it sort of just random luck of the draw that, you know, that maybe the board just fell that way? Yeah, so I mean, they're they're not the first team to do that, right? They've got, I mean, they've got. Uh, you all remember PJ Axelson, I guess, from mm -hmm. from his uh, playing days. Um, and if you know him as a person, you know he's a very lovable person, uh, and he loves to be around the rinks. And he does a, you know, he's their director of European scouting, I believe. Yeah. Um, he's done a tremendous job uh, helping them make good decisions. They're not the first team to do this. If you look at Detroit, what they did starting basically in the early to mid 90s, they had a lot of success with with late round Swedish draft picks. And 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 that said, it's harder to do that these days because you don't get as many hidden gems anymore. There's not really a lot of diamonds in the rough to be found because every pro league in Europe is so heavily covered by the NHL teams these days. It's not just boots on the ground, guys at the rink. It's, it's all the video analytics you can do. All the, all the games are accessible to you to watch on video. So the intel that the um, NHL teams have to work with is just so much better now than it was. Um, it could be coincidence. I mean, at any given draft, you're there with your... 147th overall pick and you got to make a decision, right? So it's one player or the other. And, and, and for now the Bruins have, have opted to go with Swedes over other players. We have had a lot of success with Swedish players being drafted late Henrik Setterberg, and I can name a lot of examples, but 
I don't think they're looking for anything specific. It's just that that player happened to be their primary choice over the next guy. All right. Well, do you guys have any more questions for Peter? I feel like we got a lot of them in. Scott? Yeah, yeah no. I think I think we're good. This, this is great. Thanks a lot, Peter. Yeah, yeah we really you, appreciate Peter. it. Thank you so much, guys. It's been an honor.